Nine substance-induced disorders. The toxic effects of substances can mimic mental illnesses in a way that can be difficult to distinguish from mental illness. This chapter focuses on symptoms of mental illness that are the result of substance abuse, a condition referred to as substance-induced mental disorders. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. Welcome, and I hope everyone is well today. I am really, really excited to bring this episode to you guys as we wind down on the tail end of Mental Health Awareness Week. And we just did three mental health episodes, and we have a whole slew of mental health resources on the Sober is Dope podcast. So as we wind down, I wanted to bring something very unique to you guys. And this is a real different spin on mental health and addiction, Um, substance-induced disorders, you know, mental health illnesses that mimic, um, you know, a substance abuse that mimic mental illness. And I think this is fascinating because sometimes... We know we just did an episode called comorbid alcoholism and comorbid drug addiction and comorbid addiction. And that means when you have a dual diagnosis where you have a diagnosis of an alcohol disorder or a drug disorder combined with a mental health disorder. Right. So when you have these dual coexisting or co-occurring diagnoses, you are a comorbid. You're dealing with something called comorbidity. Right. So. That was fascinating. And now we're taking it a little step further because a substance induced disorder that creates a mental, that mimics a substance abuse that mimics mental illness may not be comorbidity. It may just be related to the substance of the abuse. And I think this is fascinating because if we find sobriety, then most of these mental health symptoms may go away on their own because they may just be a result of the substance abuse. So with no further ado, I'm going to just go over a quick overview. We're going to break it down and then we'll elaborate towards the end. But I'm just extremely happy to bring this episode to you guys. And shout out to everyone that participated in Mental Health Awareness Week. It's really important. It's an important subject to me. Um, I just have many friends and people in my family and friends that dealt that deals with mental um, illness and many people in the podcast and many people in the recovery community. It's just something that's really important. And I just think that, you know, we just need more awareness watching a movie, the Joker. I just recently watched the movie Joker and, you know, everyone in this person's life, everyone in the Joker's life treated him like terribly and he had this rare disorder where it made him seem strange and he always seemed out of place and he had this offbeat humor but at the he was really just a nice guy just a really really nice guy he just had a really bad disorder and the way the world treated him led him to become notorious but the movie was shed light on a bigger problem with society and life in general. And I just think mental health and mental illness is um, just a sensitive, beautiful um, subject that we need to really just, it's a tender subject. We really need to just really bring home, nurture, 
We need to love people who suffer from mental illness. We need to nurture them and not ostracize them and treat them like outcasts. So with that being said, shout out to everyone that supported Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, if anyone that's listening, you can find the Sober is Dope podcast on Twitter at Sober is Dope and at Monk Healing. You can find us on Instagram at Sober is Dope and at Monk Healing um, and also on TikTok at sober is dope all right and there i have a lot of mental health resources and recovery resources as well as a bunch of episodes on mental health on the sober is dope podcast all right so let's get into this if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The nine substance-induced disorders we're going to look at are alcohol, caffeine, cocaine and amphetamines, hallucinogens, nicotine, opioids, and sedatives. We're also going to look at a few diagnostic considerations and case studies identifying disorders. All the information is given to us from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. That's the DSM-5, and this is all where we get all mental illness information from and all mental health information. This is the official place where you would want to look, um, and also the American Psychiatric Association. Substance-induced disorders that we're, where we will mention are substance-induced delirium, substance-induced persisting dementia, substance-induced persisting amnestic disorder, substance-induced psychotic disorder, substance-induced mood disorder, substance-induced anxiety disorder, hallucinogen, persisting perceptual disorder, substance-induced sexual dysfunction, and substance-induced sleep disorder. Substance-induced disorders are distinct from independent co-occurring mental disorders in that all or most of the psychiatric symptoms are the direct result of substance use. This is not to state that substance-induced disorders preclude co-occurring mental disorders, only that the specific symptom cluster at a specific point in time is more likely the result of substance use, abuse, intoxication, or withdrawal than of underlying mental illness. A client might even have both independent and substance-induced mental disorders. For example, a client may present with well-established independent and controlled bipolar disorder and alcohol dependence and remission, but the same client could be experiencing amphetamine-induced auditory hallucinations and paranoia from an amphetamine abuse relapse over the last three weeks. Symptoms of substance-induced disorders run the gamut from mild anxiety and depression. These are the most common across all substances. To full-blown manic and other psychotic reactions, much less common. 
The principle is what goes up comes down. It's a useful to predict what kind of syndrome or symptoms might be caused by what substances. For example, acute withdrawal symptoms from a physiological depressant such as alcohol and benzodiazepines are hyperactivity, elevated blood pressure, agitation, and anxiety. Example, the shakes. On the other hand, those who crash from stimulants are tired, withdrawn, and depressed. Virtually any substance taken in large quantities over a long enough period can lead to a psychotic state. Because clients vary greatly in how they respond to both intoxication and withdrawal given the same exposure to the same substance, and also because different substances may be taken at the same time, prediction of any particular substance-related syndrome has its limits. What is most important is to continue to evaluate psychiatric symptoms and their relationship to abstinence or ongoing substance abuse over time. Most substance-induced symptoms begin to improve within hours or days after substance has use has stopped. Notable exceptions to this is psychotic symptoms caused by heavy and long-term amphetamine abuse and a dementia, problems with memory, concentration, and problem solving, caused by using substances directly toxic to the brain, which most commonly include alcohol, inhalants like gasoline, and again, amphetamines. Following is an overview of the most common classes of substances of abuse and the accompanying psychiatric symptoms seen in intoxication, withdrawal, and chronic use. We're going to start with alcohol. In most people, moderate to heavy consumption is associated with euphoria, mood lability, decreased impulse control, and increased social confidence getting high. Such symptoms might even appear hypomanic. However, these often are followed with next day mild fatigue, nausea, and dysphoria, and also the hangover. In a person who has many life stresses, losses, and struggles, which is often the case as addiction to alcohol proceeds, the mood lability and lowered impulse control can lead to increased rates of violence towards others and self. Prolonged drinking increases the incidence of dysphoria, anxiety, and such violence potential. Symptoms of alcohol withdrawal include agitation, anxiety, tremor, malaise, hyperreflexia, exaggeration of reflexes, rapid heartbeat, increase in blood pressure, sweating, insomnia, nausea or vomiting, and perceptual distortions. Following acute withdrawal a few days, some people would experience continued mood instability, fatigue, insomnia, reduced sexual interest, and hostility for weeks, so-called protracted withdrawal. Differentiating protracted withdrawal from a major depression or anxiety disorder is often difficult. More severe withdrawal is characterized by severe instability in vital signs, agitation, hallucinations, delusions, and often seizures. 
the best predictor of whether this type of withdrawal may happen again is if it happened before. Alcohol-induced deliriums after high-dose drinking are characterized by fluctuating mental status, confusion, and disorientation, and are reversible once both alcohol and its withdrawal symptoms are gone. While, by definition, alcohol dementias are associated with brain damage and not entirely reversible even with sobriety. Caffeine. When consumed in large quantities, caffeine can cause mild to moderate anxiety. Though the amount of caffeine that leads to anxiety varies, caffeine is also associated with an increase in the number of panic attacks in individuals who are predisposed to them. Cocaine and amphetamines. Mild to moderate intoxication from cocaine, methamphetamine, or other stimulants is associated with euphoria and a sense of internal well-being and perceived increased powers of thought, strength, and accomplishment. In fact, low to moderate doses of amphetamines may actually increase certain test-taking skills temporarily in those who attention deficit disorders and even in people who do not have attention deficit disorders. However, as more substances used and intoxication increases, attention ability to concentrate and function decrease. With street cocaine and methamphetamines, dosing is almost always beyond a functional window. As doses increases, the chances of impulsive, dangerous behaviors, which may include violence, promiscuous sexual activity, and others, also increases. Many who become chronic heavy users go on to experience temporary paranoid delusional states. As mentioned above, the methamphetamines, these psychotic states may last for weeks, months, and even years. Unlike schizophrenic psychotic states, the client experiencing a paranoid state induced by cocaine more likely has intact abstract reasoning and linear thinking and the delusions are more likely paranoid and less bizarre. After intoxication comes a crash in which the person is desperately fatigued, depressed, and often crave more stimulant to relieve these withdrawal symptoms. This dynamic is why it is thought that people who abuse stimulants often go on week or month long binges and have a hard time stopping. At some point, the ability of stimulants to push the person back into a high is lost, probably through washing out of neurotransmitters, and then serious crash ensues. Even with several weeks of abstinence, Many people who are addicted to stimulants report dysphoric state that is marked by an anhedonia, absence of pleasure, and or anxiety, but which may not meet the symptom severity criteria to qualify as DSM-5 major depression. This anhedonic state can persist for weeks 
As mentioned above, heavy long-term amphetamine use appears to cause long-term changes in the functional structure of the brain. And this is accompanied by long-term problems with concentration, memory, and at times psychotic symptoms. Month-long methamphetamine binges followed by week of month-long alcohol binges, a not uncommon pattern, might appear to be bipolar disorder if the drug use is not discovered. For more information, see the National Institute on Drug Abuse website. That's www.nida.nih.gov. Hallucinogens. Hallucinogens produce visual distortions and frank hallucinations. Some people who use hallucinogens experience a marked distortion of their sense of time and feelings of depersonalization. Hallucinogens may also be associated with drug-induced panic, paranoia, and even delusional states in addition to hallucinations. Hallucinogen hallucinations usually are more visual example given enhanced colors and shapes as compared to schizophrenic type hallucinations which tend to be more auditory example given voices the existence of a marijuana induced psychotic state has been debated although a review of the research suggests that there is no such entity A few people who use hallucinogens experience chronic reactions involving prolonged psychotic reactions, depression, and also pre-existing mental disorders and flashbacks. The latter are symptoms that occur after one or more psychedelic trips and consist of flashes of light and after image prolongation in the periphery. The DSM-5 defines flashbacks as hallucinogen persisting perception disorder, a diagnosis required that they be distressing or impairing to the client. Nicotine. Clients who are dependent on nicotine are more likely to experience depression than people who are not addicted to it. However, It is unclear how much this is cause or effect. In some cases, the client may use nicotine to regulate mood. Whether there is a casual relationship between nicotine use and the symptoms of depression remains to be seen. At present, it can be said that many persons who quit smoking do experience both craving and depressive symptoms to varying degrees, which are relieved by resumption of nicotine use. Opioids. Opioid intoxication is characterized by intense euphoria and well-being. Withdrawal results in agitation, severe body aches, gastrointestinal symptoms, dysphoria, and craving to use more opioids. Symptoms during withdrawal vary. Some will become acutely anxious and agitated, while others will experience depression and anhedonia. Even with abstinence, anxiety, depression, and sleep disturbance can persist for weeks as a protracted withdrawal syndrome. Again, differentiating this from major depression or anxiety is difficult. 
And many clinicians may just treat the ongoing symptom cluster. For many people who become opioid dependent and then try abstinence, these ongoing withdrawal symptoms are so powerful that relapse occurs even with the best of treatments and client motivation. For these clients, opioid replacement therapy, such as methadone and suboxone, etc., becomes necessary and many times life-saving. There are reports of uh, atypical opioid withdrawal symptom characterized by delirium after abrupt cessation of methadone. Such clients do not appear to have the autonomic symptoms typically seen in opioid withdrawal. Long-term use of opioids is commonly associated with moderate to severe depression. Phenocyclidine, PCP, causes disassociative and delusional symptoms and may lead to violent behavior and amnesia of the intoxication. The Zukin and Zukin 1992 report that people who use PCP and who exhibit an acute psychotic state with PCP are more likely to experience another with repeated use. Sedatives. Acute intoxication with sedatives like diazepam is similar to what is experienced with alcohol. Withdrawal symptoms are also similar to alcohol and include mood instability with anxiety and or depression, sleep disturbance, autonomic hyperactivity, tremor, nausea or vomiting, and in more severe cases, transient hallucinations or illusions and grand mild seizures. There are reports of a protracted withdrawal syndrome characterized by anxiety, depression, parathesis, perceptual distortions, muscle pain and twitching, tinnitus, dizziness, headache, derealization and depersonalization and impaired concentration. Most symptoms resolve within weeks, though some symptoms such as anxiety, depression, tinnitus, ringing of the ears, and cessations such as prickling and burning, etc. have been reported to last a year or more after withdrawal in rare cases. No chronic dementia type syndrome has been categorized with chronic use. However, many people who use sedatives chronically seem to experience difficulty with anxiety symptoms which respond poorly to other anxiety treatments. Diagnostic considerations. Diagnoses of substance-induced mental disorders will typically be provisional and will require re-evaluation, sometimes repeatedly. Many apparent acute mental disorders may really be substance-induced disorders, such as those clients who use substances and who are acutely suicidal. Some people who have what appear to be substance-induced disorders may turn out to have both a substance-induced disorder and an independent mental disorder. For more people who are addicted to substances, drugs eventually become more important than jobs, friends, family, and even children. These changes in priorities often look, sound, and feel like a personality disorder. But diagnostic clarity regarding personality disorders in general is difficult, 
and in clients with substance-related disorders, the true diagnostic picture might not emerge or reveal itself for weeks or months. Moreover, it is not unusual for the symptoms of a personality disorder to clear with abstinence, sometimes even fairly early in recovery. Pre-existing mood state, personal expectations, drug dosage, and environmental surroundings all warrant consideration in developing an understanding on how a particular client might experience substance-induced disorder. Treatment of the substance use disorder and an abstinent period of weeks or months may be required for a definitive diagnosis of an independent co-occurrent mental disorder. As described in Chapter 4 on assessment, substance abuse treatment programs and clinical staff can concentrate on screening for mental disorders and determining the severity and acuity of symptoms along with the understanding of the client support network and overall life situation. The text box below provides an example of the diagnostic criteria for one substance-induced disorder, substance-induced mood disorders. Criteria for diagnosis of substance-induced mood disorders are as follows. One, a prominent and persistent disturbance in mood predominates characterized by a depressed mood or markedly diminished interest or pleasure in activities or be an elevated expansive or irritable mood. Two, there is evidence from the history, physical examination or laboratory findings that the symptoms developed during or within a month after substance intoxication or withdrawal or medication use is etiologically related to the mood disturbance. Three, the disturbance is not better explained by a mood disorder. Four, the disturbance did not occur exclusively during a delirium. And five, the symptoms cause clinically significant distress or impairment. Case studies, identifying disorders. George is a 37-year-old divorced male who, brought, who was brought into an emergency room intoxicated. His blood alcohol level was 0.152, and the toxicology screen was positive for cocaine. He was also suicidal, quote, I'm going to do it right this time, unquote. He has a history of three psychiatric hospitalizations and two inpatient substance abuse treatments. Each psychiatric admission was preceded by substance use. George has never followed through with mental health care. He has intermittently attended Alcoholic Anonymous, but not recently. Teresa is a 37-year-old divorced female who was brought into a detoxification unit four days ago with a blood alcohol level of 0.150. She is observed to be depressed, withdrawn, with little energy, fleeting suicidal thoughts, and poor concentration but states she is just fine not depressed and life was good last week before her relapse she has never used drugs other than alcohol and began drinking alcohol only three years ago however she has several alcohol related problems since then she has a history of three psychiatric hospitalizations for depression at age 19 23 and 32 
She reports a positive response to antidepressants. She is currently not receiving mental health services or substance abuse treatment. She is diagnosed with alcohol dependence, relapse, and substance-induced mood disorder with a likely history of, but not active, major depression. Discussion. Many factors must be examined when making initial diagnostic and treatment decisions. For example, if George's psychiatric admission were two or three days long, usually with discharge related to leaving against medical advice, decisions about diagnosis and treatment would be different. Example, it is likely there is a substance-induced suicidal state and referral at discharge to be a substance abuse treatment agency rather than a mental health center. Then if two of his psychiatric admissions were two or three weeks long with clearly defined manic and psychotic symptoms continuing through the course, despite aggressive use of mental health care and medication, this is more likely a person with both bipolar disorder and alcohol dependence who requires integrated treatment for both his severe alcoholism and bipolar disorder. Similarly, if Teresa had become increasingly depressed and withdrawn over the past three months and had for a month experienced disordered sleep, poor concentration, and suicidal thoughts, she would be best diagnosed with major depression with an acute alcohol relapse rather than substance-induced mood disorder secondary to her alcohol relapse. So, ladies and gentlemen, when we look at the nine substance-induced disorders, it's important to understand that on one hand, we have to take a few things in consideration. If you go into the hospital, if you go into treatment and you leave, you don't have enough time to be properly diagnosed, then it's going to be hard to tell if your mental disorder is caused by substance abuse or if it's co-occurring. Just like in our last episode, comorbidity, having a dual diagnosis. In my case, I am an alcoholic and I was suffering from low serotonin levels, which led to seasonal affective disorder. And it took about six to nine months for my doctors to figure this out. So I had to stay in treatment and then I was properly diagnosed and I was given a proper treatment. And through abstinence and medication, after a year, I was in a clear. I no longer have any mental health illness or symptoms and I'm, my continued abstinence keeps all of that at bay and I'm healthy and I'm just a normal person now. Um, it's very important to keep that in mind. Um, this is a re- it's really important because some of us have a dual diagnosis. We have a mental health problem and an addiction problem, and we have to be we have to have integrated treatment. Some of us may just have a mental health problem that we use substances to self-medicate with, and others may just have a mental health illness symptoms caused by the substances that we abuse. So this is all part of our mental health series and our last week of mental health awareness week, and I hope this episode brings more light to the whole subject of mental health and addiction. Either way, ladies and gentlemen, if you're struggling The number one underlying theme here is that abstinence could alleviate a lot of your problems, a lot of the mental health problems. And, you know, it could lead to, you know, permanent 
mental health and um, cessation of a lot of the negative symptoms related to substance abuse. So I would always suggest let's let's keep the talk of sobriety going. Let's um, get the proper treatment for the drugs, for the harder drugs like opioids and stuff. Work with your doctors, you know, um, and let's just keep fighting a good fight. But definitely give yourself a fighting chance by allowing yourself to be properly diagnosed. Know the right questions to answer, to ask, and just really be open to integrated treatment. You're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. I love you all. Thank you for your patience, and I'll catch you on the other side.